Fathers out there and friends everywhere, join the conversation. I'm David Wilkinson. I'm a husband, I'm a dad of three, and I'm a storyteller who's interested in talking to and learning from distinct fathers. And when possible, I like to have those conversations under the stars on my backyard deck. So pull up a chair and welcome to Dad Matters. In this episode, I get to sit down with my friend Wayne, and he'll be sharing his story about what happened when he slipped into an unexpected coma and what ramifications that had on him and his family. I had what we thought was a routine dental situation. In fact, there was an infection that had gone undetected, and by midnight I was in surgery, but I came out of that surgery in septic shock and I had respiratory failure. So I was on a ventilator. They did a follow-up surgery on Sunday morning and I was literally in a coma on life support until Tuesday. That's guest dad, Wayne Armstrong, and it's episode 12, To Live or Die, A Dad's Journey Back. Dads, in each conversation, I try to ask myself three questions. Number one, where do I recognize myself in this conversation? Number two, what tools can I borrow from this dad? And number three, what's one thing that I can try this week? That's it. And so I hope you ask yourself those same three questions. Let's get the conversation started. Welcome to my podcast studio underneath another beautiful night sky, and I'm sitting here with my friend Wayne Armstrong. Wayne, how you doing? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. So... Before we started, we were just discussing how many years we've known each other, and we both have son. We both have. Well, you've got three sons, right? And I've got two sons and a daughter. And my son Jacob, and your son Miller, they were in the same grade at school together. That's right. And night and day, right? Yeah. Probably, probably a lot like you and me. I'm guessing. Probably fairly opposite as far as. Um, but there's still some commonality there that's always been apparent. Right. And you are influencing young men in your house, and now some are even out of your house. Well, they're all out of your house, right? The oldest one is Jake's married. He's 25. The, the two younger ones, Brandon and Miller, are 22 and 21. They still live upstairs. Okay. Go to college. Brandon's actually graduating in about two weeks. And... Uh, but they live upstairs, go to college, have their own jobs and vehicles. So, but even other upstairs, does it still get a little rowdy, or is it pretty quiet in it's the Armstrong house? Now. Okay, yeah, they have girlfriends, so you know it's it's fun when they're all around. But mm-hmm. um, we we try to give them space and not hover. You know, you've got two upstairs, but they're more or less <laughs> independent and doing their thing. Yeah, we are. Do you feel like an empty nester? More than halfway there. Yeah. It's been a process. <laughs> Depends on which day it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a process. Um, but I know it did hit me after that last one graduated high school, uh-huh. which has been two years now. Okay. So it, that's when I started realizing, uh, well, I'm not needed like I used to be needed. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I discovered how often I thought of them, huh. you know, because they occupied my thoughts and Kim's thoughts just throughout the day as they're growing up, just yeah. awareness and thinking about what they were involved in, uh, good things, bad things. And all of a sudden now my mind is available. Yeah. <laughs> to go. I still think about them, but they're, 
they're on their own. You know, they're young men now, so it's well, different. You've certainly done a good job raising them, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few. But let's let's jump back. Let's talk a little bit about you growing up. Mm-hmm. What it was like being a son first before okay. you were ever a dad. Talk to me about okay. that. Okay. I guess my go-to to get that conversation started is that my wife Kim would would say that I grew up in Leave It to Beaver family, and I was oh. Wally. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> That, and that was your thing. You said that about him. Okay. And, and my younger bu- brother was Beaver. I mean. So you were the shucks kind of yeah, older brother. Yeah. Uh, I never got in any trouble. Okay. It, yeah, the pendulum swung, and it it got kind of funky when I was a young man. But as a kid, I was an easy kid, and um, my I had one younger brother. He was two years younger than me. My dad was um was a football coach in college when I was a young boy, mm-hmm. and um. As a son, uh, I think one of the things <clears throat> that the Lord just deposited into me through my dad um, was just a calm belief that God was good. And so I, I had this steadiness about my demeanor. Hmm. Um and as a kid, things went well for me and came pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad, um, I never doubted that he loved me. He wasn't real vocal. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we didn't sit around and talk like yeah. this. Yeah. He was kind of, he was like an only child. He had one sister that was 14 years younger. So he kind of figured it out. And um, I think he just assumed my brother and I would. Yeah. And, um, Plenty of conversation between the two of you, you and your brother. Me and my brother. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. And um, or conversation or fighting or something. So um, we knew we were loved, but there wasn't a lot of communication hmm. about that. Okay. And um, so as a young man, I, I struggled. With communicating or what do you mean by with that? With my direction. Okay. Yeah, when I left high school, the wheels came off really for the next five years okay i mean i was vice president of the of the senior class captain of the football team all-state quarterback mm-hmm. that whole thing right was going on but in hindsight i really didn't have a good vision for where i was heading okay besides playing college football okay and that i didn't work out real well for me in college, the football, and then everything else kind of unraveled, uh, except for meeting Kim. Mm-hmm. And that was... Uh, <laughs> I was wondering where she came into the picture. Yeah. We met in February of 87. My last season of play was the fall of 86 okay. at East Tennessee State. And uh, I didn't go back to school and finish my degree. We got married a year and a half later. And it was on. Okay. It was on. Now, <laughs> it was on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a whole other podcast to describe yeah. what it was on means. Yeah. But uh, your sons, tell me their ages one more time. Jake is? Jake's 25. 25, and he's married. Yeah. Brandon? Brandon is 22. 22. And Miller just 21, turned 21. 21. Yeah. And so at some point you decided you probably had some intention about the kind of sons that you wanted to have. And you started watching them develop into their personalities and who they are. Now, Miller, when he was in high school with Jacob, 
he was the quarterback of the football team and with a name like Armstrong. I mean, come on, that was kind of a, a shoe in. I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that. Right. And yet um, he was busy doing that. But there was more than just they played on the football team, obviously. There's a lot. I watched how you and Kim are with your family. And so there's obviously some intention there. Yeah. What if you had to say kind of like was the, the biggest thing? If you had to pick just one thing that mattered most to you for your sons as men, what would it be now? That they would discover who they are. Okay. Who is that person? And I don't even hesitate with that because I struggled with that. And so I had to guard myself against being overbearing, Mm. sometimes preaching to them about trying to discover that. What are you good at? And what do you love? And can you can you blend those two things gotcha. into a calling, career, whatever you want to call it, right. that you can kind of lose yourself in and you're not looking at your watch to see what time it is. You're immersed in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's how I'd answer that question. <clears throat> a year ago, things changed pretty drastically for your family, just on paper. Like there was some functional changes that happened that was not planned Mm -hmm. but and I remember I was in Alaska I was doing a work thing and Cheryl is calling me and texting me and saying something's wrong with Wayne and it just kind of snowballed but can you kind of introduce kind of what happened in those moments that was over just over a year ago wasn't it yeah just over a year ago okay I had what we thought was a routine dental situation. In fact, there was an infection that had gone undetected. And by midnight, I was in surgery, but I came out of that surgery in septic shock and I had respiratory failure. So I was on a ventilator. They did a follow-up surgery on Sunday morning and I was literally in a coma on life support until Tuesday. So that that four-day period, I mean, I was was out. Basically, the doctors were telling them, um, we've done all we can. We're sorry, and we're just hoping that his body will respond. Right. So, so yeah, it was was unexpected, and um, it it went downhill real fast. You know what? Hey, Kim, can you come down? And if you'll just come sit next to Wayne, do you mind uh, jumping in on some of this? Yeah, no. Because (laughs) Wayne was in a coma for four days, and it didn't start, boom. It was this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And so before we get into it from your perspective, how long have you all been married now? Be 30 years, August 6th. Okay, (laughs) 30 years. And so Kim... When did you start to feel like, okay, something's up. This isn't, this isn't okay. This isn't, and this is no longer like a toothache, an infection. This, something's up. When did that start to occur to you? Uh, he, we took him to Vanderbilt Friday at six. By, I'd probably say the day before, I was thinking something's something's wrong. Yeah. And I started pursuing calling the dentist, calling our oral surgeon, get him there now. Yeah. The Friday night was more just scary of being in the hospital in emergency trauma, all that. Yeah. Teams of 
people just coming in. I was, I was scared, but once he goes into surgery at midnight, I'm thinking, oh, okay, three hours later, if he can just get through the surgery, oh, we're good. Mm-hmm. And so at 3.30 in the morning, they came out, and it was worse than ever. I had no idea that they were coming out to tell me that he is dying. You remember feeling that that was it? Uh, yeah. I've, that it's, it's that we're there? He's oh, at yeah. death's door? The, all of the air got sucked out of the room. I, I could not. I could not. I, I, I started this instant shaking. I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. It, it was just, it was awful. I could not believe what I was hearing. Did they start telling you statistics at that point? Like, if you come out of this thing, you have a 30... Because I'm trying to remember the stat. Wasn't it 30? Well, they wouldn't tell us statistics. They kept saying, we're sorry, Miss Armstrong. We've done all we can. Which is just horrible. Like, no hope at that yeah, point from them. The Saturday was absolutely just sickening. Yeah. And then... Uh, by Sunday morning, they tell us that he needs another surgery. Well, then I'm absolutely, completely fearful because I didn't know if he was strong enough to make it through the first surgery. Now I know he's not strong enough to make it through the second. Right. And the, it was just very, very surreal because that was Father's Day. That That's Sunday. right. Yeah. And so you That's think right. about people. That's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of Father's Day, look who's here. <laughs> Hey! Gather around the table, boys. This is your life, Wayne Armstrong. It's the we're having special guests. Come on in, guys. Not an intervention, is it? It's not an intervention. Um, If you guys don't mind, try to crowd the chairs over as close to Wayne as possible, and you can just kind of share the mic between the three of you. How's it going? It's going good. Good. Everyone doing well? Yeah. Good. You all made it here. We did. I was I was a little nervous because our neighborhood is a bit of a maze. Oh yeah. Yeah. We just start getting texts like. No idea how to get there, man. <laughs> so, Wayne, I wanted the boys to, to come out for a couple reasons. Yeah. One, because we're just after the one-year mark, yeah. right? What was the day that you came out of the coma? What day was that? It was Tuesday. Tuesday? Here, uh, pull the mic over so you can <clears throat> chat for just a second. Tuesday, what was the date? Well, let's see. I went in on the 16th, uh, Friday, 17, 18. 1920th. The 20th of June. So, yeah, Tuesday the 20th, about 2 p.m. Well, Jake, let's start with you, and you guys can just kind of pass the mic around. But, Jake, you're the oldest, mm-hmm. and uh, when things got really bad at the hospital, when it, you know, the news started getting to that point where we're doing everything we can, and there's a lot of apologizing happening, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of waiting. It's like Father's Day, it's that time of year, and Poor Kim is inconsolable, right? Yeah, yeah. What was running through your mind as Wayne's firstborn son about how am I to be in this situation? How did that, what was mm-hmm. going through your mind during that time? Because there were some amazing stories about how you all were mm-hmm. at the hospital with people, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, I'd say probably the craziest time was just when we got the update after... Um, one of the surgeries, it was late night. He went into surgery initially, um, and then um, I think he came out of surgeries, but there was complications, and so they went back in to try to do some cleanup because uh, he had uh, aspirated on some, uh, I think it was just something from the surgery. 
some stuff from his lungs. And so when they came back with that news, that's when it got really bad. Yeah. Just the whole atmosphere. I mean, especially my mom, she, that's when we got the news like, hey, he's in, he's in a really bad condition. Like, functionally, how are we gonna, how are we gonna work? Like, I know my mom is freaking out. Yep. And it's just kind of priorities. I was like, all right, I gotta tend to her. You know, I got to try to tend to her. Cause, That's where your head was at. Yeah, I gotta was just take thinking, care of mom. I got to take care of her. I mean, sure, I mean, sure. I thought, you know, kind of, there's this brief moment of kind of a freak out. Right. Um, but it was real brief because everyone else is reacting. So I guess it might just be a firstborn thing. I don't know. But I just kind of was like, I got to try to try to calm mom down and say, look, let's just, they got to give us the news and we don't know anything yet. You know? Right. There are certain siblings in situations like that. I mean, they about take each other out, you know. Mm-hmm. It just gets vicious. Making decisions are important. Yeah. And talking with each other about potential decisions that you don't even know if you're going to have to make is important. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like with you and your brothers during that time? How did that work between the three of you? You know, all of our reactions were a little bit different, and I think, that, I mean— if it was just me there, that's what I would have done. If it was just Brandon, just Miller would have looked a little bit different. But for the sake of just peace, there was no argument. It was just kind of like if someone stepped in, even if I disagreed, I'm like, kind of let them, let them have their say, you know. Brandon, were you guys chatting a lot with each other during that time, or was it just pretty quiet and just taking care of people? Yeah, um, it was more conversational as time went on, though. I think that initial. Uh, that first night when he came out with the more complications, I think it was more, I think we we're all three on the same page and that we all just tend to mom. And then as it went on, um, I remember having conversations between us three about, um, okay, they've come out with bad news, worse news, then worse news a third time. Okay, if they, like, she's just going to pass out. Okay, do one of us need to step in and say, if next time news comes, bring it to us first. You know, just okay. yeah. there were practical things like that. Um, Were you guys worried about your mom, like seriously worried about her physically? The word that everyone kept saying was Kim is inconsolable. Yeah, like she almost couldn't catch a breath, you know, couldn't get words out right at at the start at least. So there there was a moment, maybe that Saturday, I was with my mom and I kind of broke down and I remember that Jake and Miller had more of a, he's going to be all right. I I really feel like he's going to pull it out, you know, and I just didn't have that. You weren't there. No, I, I just... All of us have even grown up in the same homes, just different struggles, different relationships and stuff. Through through my life, I've learned a lot of how to be content in situations that I don't like. And so that same oh. reoccurring theme came back. And I, I wasn't confident he was going to die, but I just wasn't confident he was going to live. And so that was, um, that was weird, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Miller, you're the baby. <laughs> you're surrounded by all this... Chaos. Mm-hmm. Did you feel any sense of responsibility during that time when your dad was like literally in the coma? Yeah. 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 I mean, I I remember thinking, well, my girlfriend was there the whole time, and I remember telling her that okay, if dad goes, because I I tend to just kind of go into like a fix it mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too, brother. Yeah, and so I was. I remember thinking just okay, if dad goes, Jake had like almost under two years left of PT school. Brandon mm-hmm. had a year left till he graduated. I was like, I'm only, you know, a year into college at that point. And so I was like, I'll drop out. I'll quit football and I'll just 
I'll just work full time somewhere, you know. And so I was already kind of going through that in my mind, kind of playing out how that would look like, because like I didn't want my mom to come out of that house that we're in, you know, stuff like that. And so there were there were things where I was thinking like, I mean, my own like degree and mm-hmm. sports mm-hmm. could, I mean, that could wait. That didn't have any type of like hold on me, like thinking wise, you know. I was thinking just, I'll just drop out of school and probably work full time you know and that so that was really the only these thing are I, things you loved yeah these I are mean, things you yeah. loved these are a big part of you spent a lot of hours towards mm-hmm. those kinds of things and so you're saying in those moments you were you were ready to just chuck all of that for what you yeah. needed to do yeah i mean honestly yeah. i was i was that wasn't even I was didn't just matter anymore yeah it wasn't really even like a question you're listening to my conversation with guest dad wayne armstrong But before we go to the second part of that conversation, I had a thought. Dads, I don't know about you, but when I hear Wayne talk about the things that he has talked about, I start thinking about my own mortality. Um, I think that's a natural thing. I think that it totally makes sense that you start wondering about things. uh, And I don't want to be grim, but I think that there's some actually some really good news about this grim thought that we're not going to be walking the earth forever, that eventually we're going to die. Our time on this earth is limited, right? And for some of us, it might be sooner than later. But Wayne's sons have shown up and they are entering into this conversation. And before we get to the second part of the conversation, I want you to think about this. When we are long and gone, I think that there are going to be echoes of us lived out in the lives of our kids. That's good news for us. And it's also good news for us that some of those echoes are reactions to us. Maybe there are some things about us that we didn't quite get right, you know? And our kids, they might tweak that. They might work on that. They might adapt that into a better way of functioning in their relationships with people. Maybe they listen a little bit better. Maybe they're uh, kinder. Maybe they're less passive aggressive. I don't know. But there are things about us that our kids are going to just naturally echo in their lives when we're not around. And I think you're going to find that that's a good thing. That whether it seems like it's a reaction to who we are or that it is a natural echo of who we are, that it is all a good thing. And it is all part of the legacy that we are passing on to our kids. Oftentimes, we are so quick to shame ourselves of all the things that we do wrong. The good news for us dads is that even the things that we do wrong, our kids will move forward as adults in response to that, probably in a good way. That's good news, even for us. And that's good news for them, too. But I hope you enjoy the second part of this conversation with Wayne's sons now that they are part of the conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing what they have to say. And you will see how they truly were able to just step up and step in and be who they needed to be when Wayne wasn't around. Hope you enjoy the second part of this conversation. And dads, as always, thanks for listening to the podcast. Dads, you've probably heard the label involved dads. That just means that you're present in your child's life. But Dad Matters exists to help you move from being involved to being engaged with your kids. And the more effectively engaged you are, 
the more connected and confident you will feel about your relationship with your kids. Think of it this way, it's similar to climbing a mountain. And if being involved with your child is like the base camp, then the summit is engagement. I want to help you summit because I want you to enjoy what it feels like to be confident and connected to your kids. Here's the thing about climbing to a summit. Climbers who summit always plan and they always respect the climb. And dads, it's the same with your kids. You have to plan for it. That's why I have a free action tool for you. It's called Six Tips to Effectively Engage Your Child. Just go to my website, dadmatters.org. Right there on the main page, click Free Tool. Again, just go to my website, dadmatters.org. And on the main page, just click the Free Tool button. All right, dads, pull up a chair for the second part of my conversation with guest dad Wayne Armstrong to live or die a dad's journey back. Miller, how would you describe your your brotherly relationship just growing up over the years? It, was uh-huh. it chaos? Was it, did you, I mean, did you guys like throw punches? Was it like a wrestling match 24-7? Because I heard... <laughs> I've heard some stories. I've heard yeah, about yeah, yeah. you guys going down a hill yeah. on a like a makeshift lawnmower or yeah, something we, we and didn't like screaming bloody murder. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I heard about a time when you were chopping the tail off of a rat in the uh-huh. in the garage and oh, you guys was, were holding yeah. it all down and yeah. she came out and she was like, What's going on out here? <laughs> My first thought was how dad told us to play football and that was controlled chaos. <laughs> and so we were like, I mean we all had each other's back, like, always. I remember dad and mom just kind of preaching that to us. You know, like, we get in big fights. Obviously, that happens when you're living with each other. But, yeah. like, we get in big fights, and stuff like that would happen. And I remember dad specifically kind of coming to us and saying, look, I had a brother. You don't want this to, like, trickle into your adult life to where it affects you in the long run. And so we would get into these big arguments, but... We got to a point, I mean, we were all young men. You know, I was probably 17, 16 at the time. We got in a big fight, and I remember, like, the three of us, we were like, all right, we're not going to tell Mom and Dad about that one. We'll just, <laughs> you know, I was like, I think it was Jake kind of initiated it, and we were just like, look, we just need to agree that, like, it doesn't need to get like that yeah, anymore. Yeah, let's, let's press pause right there and hand it to Jake, and let's get his take on that. If you initiated it, I'd like to hear a little bit more from you. So I won the fight. Okay, <laughs> that's really all that matters. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but, like you said, as we got older, we've just developed more into, like, I mean, we are brothers, but we're getting to be, and we are more like friends now. You know, we actually enjoy hanging out with each other, and it's not like, <laughs> oh, Miller and his annoying friends and Brandon and his annoying friends. We all kind of, like, we all hang out with each other's friends now, so it's it's cool now. And it came in, I mean, even this came in great timing because it was at a time when that was pretty solid. You know, we were hanging out. Brandon, you can answer this one. When things started to happen at the hospital, I'm guessing that there was some solid thoughts about this is who I want to be as a result of this. Kind of a mentality like Miller was talking about as far as just like, screw it, we have no we have no handle on this situation. There's nothing right. we can do right. except just be present. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that meant um, sticking with my mom, mm-hmm. but then a lot of that also meant you know she had a we we had a uh, an unbelievable group of people 
that were around us throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And so as much as it meant tending to her, it also meant I need to just sit right now and talk to the Lord. Because I think as guys, or I'll, just, I'll speak for myself, there's just there's just a mentality of, like you were talking about, just what needs to be done, who needs to be taken care of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I remember just thinking, if I don't, as crazy as this is, if I don't just hit pause and just sit down or just go outside into the parking lot and see the sky for the first time in a couple hours and just let myself be sad or angry or taking those moments to just, like, pause. Um, I remember trying to be intentional about that because I knew that if, if I just walked through this whole thing without taking any time to focus on the Lord personally with my own personal relationship with Him, then I wouldn't come out much different than I walked into this situation. Yeah. Miller, I'm curious what some of your takeaways or, or even your biggest takeaway a, a year out now. I was I always kind of saw the way that us three kind of took care of mom, and it took three of us to fill dad's gap, you know, but I think the Lord built that up in me in just like previous events in my life leading up to that to like kind of prepare me for that because there were things with college and college football and even like junior, senior year of high school that I wasn't sure about and I just kind of had to walk into something that I had no idea what it looked like. You know what I mean? And so so kind of looking back, it's like, okay, so these events that I didn't really know what was really taking place, it it felt like he was really just kind of preparing me for like to take care of my mom in Mm. one little way. You know what I mean? I have to interject something right here, can I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Your, I remember, your mom is interrupting. I'm We're sorry. By this. I'm Go sorry. Ahead, I've done so well so far. Those three, I don't know who all, but I know Leah was there. My daughter-in-law. Jake's wife. Uh-huh. And Leah crouched down in front of me and said, this is the time now. Because as soon as they came up, I, I, st- I tried to stop crying. Oh, I didn't want y'all to see me like this. You know, I mean, your dad's going to be fine. You know, I went into mommy mode. Yep. Okay? Yep. And Leah crouched down in front of me and grabbed my face and said, this right here is a time that you can let go and let your boys take care of you. Mm. My Mm -hmm. (laughs) daughter-in-law said that to me. And so at that point, you know what? I did. Hmm. I let them just take care of me. Wow. They really did. It wasn't Wayne, but they each had a part of Wayne that I could recognize that was consoling me. It was very spiritual. <laughs> wow. Which Wayne hasn't talked in like 20 minutes. But he's just like, you guys, go ahead, take no, it. I've heard stuff that I didn't know. I like it. Can I interject real quick? Yeah, yeah. please. Brandon? I will say that that was the best thing that that you could have done in the moment was, was hear Leah and, and take that advice because... For mom, for Kim Armstrong, that was the the best thing she can do in that situation is let herself completely feel whatever, fill in the blank. Whatever it is at the moment, feel it. Mm. You know, don't shut that out. And and I think we all three know that about her. And um, the fact that um, she just allowed, you just allowed yourself to completely feel it, that was what opened the door to allow us to come in to kind of fill that gap like you were talking about. I just think that in some of our most difficult circumstances, 
we really get a chance to figure out who we are. And uh, Brandon, I know that you actually put some of your thoughts to lyrics. It's a rap. Right, right. I know you had you wrote the different verses at different times. Like verse three is after he's home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just out of curiosity, was it something that it was flowing pretty quickly? Like you you knew what you wanted to say and you were putting it down pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah honestly. So I remember uh, when Leah's mom Carrie told me, "Oh, well, if you interview Wayne and if you get a chance, uh, Brandon actually wrote a rap song about him." And I don't know how many times in my life someone has told me something like that, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it. Because I grew up in the 80s listening to, like, I didn't like, I, I grew up on rap music, and it was I didn't like gimmicky stuff. So anyway, I was like, okay, well, I mean, worst case, it's going to be very heartfelt. It's, it's, it's cool. I can't wait to hear this thing. Right, right. And I was actually like, all right, Brandon Armstrong. <laughs> um, the song is called The Business of Resurrection. It's by me. My music name is Content. Content. It's kind of a double meaning um, because it's the same word, content. Mm -hmm. And like I was talking earlier, contentment, that's that's been the theme a lot of my journey, at least in my adult years, college years. Um, There's four verses total. Each verse represents a different time that I wrote it. Um, So I wrote the first verse, literally the first night slash day somewhere in that Friday night Saturday morning early hours I wrote that Um, and that was when he was in his worst condition the most uncertainty the second verse was written four days later when he came off the ventilator there's a lot of hope but then there's still we're still really close to a lot of uncertainty the third verse was written within the week after he came home and I started I say he made it it's a week later happy father's day belated and then the fourth verse was even written after that as a prayer, as if I'm talking to God in that fourth verse. Yeah. And it starts with, God, you're crazy. You're mm-hmm. such an adventure. And so I'm speaking directly to him. I wrote all the lyrics to it, obviously, like I said. And then my friend Jay Patton, he put together the beat with me in his studio. I'm not going to harp on it for too long. Go ahead, I'm man. I'm excited about it. <laughs> you should. We're going to plug it, um, too, after this. Go ahead. <laughs> That's great. Um, the sounds you hear in the beat are are all hospital sounds, breathing, and heartbeat. And that's what carries the first verse. And so it's very, it's an intimate song. It's a struggling song, but it's a joyful song by the end at the same time. So Well, we'll put a link um, in the show notes as well. Uh, yeah. So people that are listening to the podcast can just do a direct download link from there. The best way for people to know your biggest takeaways is for them to go and listen to this thing. So tell them once again, tell my audience the name of the song. Mm-hmm. What the is it called? The Business of Resurrection. The Business of Resurrection. And your artist name is Content. Content. Right? Yep. And where can they find it? It's on all the major music outlets. So uh, they can get Spotify, it on iTunes. iTunes. Spotify, good. Uh, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Music, any of the any of the major music outlets. Title. It's on Title. <laughs> right on. So since Wayne has been just kind of sitting back and <laughs> chilling and listening to his son's talk. That's the idea, right? That, that is time. the idea. Yeah. Uh, so you and me talked before we hit record about what was going on internally. Oh, yeah. You described it to me as a very um, physical thing. You were in a place. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it was actually, it was the first night that I woke up. Okay. So I I came out of the coma Tuesday afternoon, and so my first night in the ICU, conscious, and I was sleeping, Mm. I had... I had a dream 
Um, and it was just it was just very unusual. I mean, I've just never experienced anything like that. Um, and I was obviously on a lot of medications, had been for several days. Yeah. But I was in a, a cavern, um, like a cave. The best I've been able to describe it is like if we were sitting in about row 15 of a football stadium. Yeah. I was down in the cave, and it was just lined with these. It was just dark. It was just black, dark. The rocks, the rocky walls were were kind of moving, and you could see. I could see like the orange. I mean, it was like lava, you know, behind there. Mm-hmm. And um, what what impressed me is that just the weight of the darkness huh. in that cavern over to my right there was a little safe spot that was bright okay it was like lit up in the cavern and i just felt like i was there like the lord had provided a place for me and i just felt like i was going to be okay Hmm. like i've got you but this this is the reality of the world that we live in it's it's dark and it's death and but in me, you have a safe place. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. It was this vivid picture of just how overwhelming the darkness is, but there was this small source of light yeah. that you had as like your refuge right. through that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. This is a rare thing, definitely for my podcast, for my audience, to hear both father and sons, Especially in light of what happened and in light of you telling me growing up with your dad, he wasn't, he, his love wasn't necessarily a communicating kind of thing as much as his, his presence, right? right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's a great characterization. But our microphones are on and your sons are here. What it is that you want to say to them? The first thing, I just want to tell you that how proud I am of you in that moment to, to be able to, to focus on priorities and just take care of your mom and just keep your keep your wits about you, you know, and just process that well. That's the main thing that I'm, I, I would just like to communicate to them that I'm proud of them for handling that well, how proud I am of you. Jake, what about you? Take a, take a moment and just kind of share in this last year one of the, one of the biggest things that, that you have thought through about your dad and, and, and what you've learned from him during this time. I remember right before surgery, he, uh, you know, I was up there with my mom and we were able to talk with him for a little bit. He couldn't talk much because it was just so swollen. And the surgeon was like, all right, when are you ready? And he just kind of like gave, a, gave me a wink and gave me a fist bump. Mm. Like that was the last thing. It was just like, hey, look, it's all right, man. He knew, yeah. like, it's a pretty serious situation. And then even coming out of that, he was the con- that consistent person. So it, may- it helped me to realize, like, wow, he really does see life. Like, th- it doesn't end here. Wow. There's one time where he was conscious. And um, so, like, family, I think us three, uh, Leah, my wife, my mom, we were up there. A lot of f- So it was family. And then Miller's girlfriend was mm-hmm. kind of standing, you know, there's a group of us kind of standing in the back. And he, like pointed to her and said, like, come here. Like, took her hand. Wayne did? Yeah. He chose Sarah Wiley, and he said, you know, you're you're a part of this crew, too. You know, so it's like seeing life for really, like, the true meanings like that. I just was like, wow, okay, he... Wow. 
it's not just the calm, cool, collected football coach. I mean, it's like that's how he, that's how he sees life. You know, I'm just honored that that I still get to be a part of their life um, and just speak up and don't be silent. You know, I absolutely love that. So, yeah. hey, Kim, yeah. I've got one last question for Wayne. But before we stopped recording this, if there was any, because we've been just moving around, and you ended up walking off, but if there was something well, you haven't said at all, but keep it, we'd yeah. be here for another two Keep hours. it under 10 minutes. No, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. What did you learn about Wayne during the time that, he, that all this was going on? With me and Wayne, I just, I just didn't want to be without him. Yeah. I just did not want to be on this planet without him. I just did not. Of course, I didn't want my boys to be without their dad. Wayne had lost his dad about the same age. It really, when it boiled down, it really wasn't about poor pitiful me, I don't want to be alone. Right. It was, I don't want to be on this planet without Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, I just don't. You know, and if the Lord was calling me to do that, I've well, yeah, I would do it. I just, I didn't, I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be here without him. So that's okay, good. Bye. That was good <laughs> to all that. All right, so we're down to you, Wayne. The idea of the two-minute legacy that I always share with the dads who come on my podcast is simply that you have to imagine that for this brief amount of time, you have an audience, you have an opportunity, the microphone is on, your sons are listening, other dads are listening. It's your two minutes. What is Wayne Armstrong's two-minute legacy? I do think I know what I want to say to to not only my sons, but other young men this age, or if, if you're a dad my age. Um, and that is, I mean, at the end of this life, the Bible tells us that we will give an account for our life. So I don't think there's anything more important than discovering who this God is that created us, who we, who He made us to be. Uh, like you and I talked about earlier, um, what do you love? What are you great at? Merge those and and go go do that work and serve other people by being who you are. One of the tight ropes that I think men have the capacity to walk is humility and confidence. I think the Lord will help us with our families, with our children, be humble and be confident at the same time. I think it's I think it's doable. So because of that, you know, like I said before, speak up, find your voice. I think that's my phrase. Just as men speaking to my sons uh, as their father, I would say, continue to find out who you are, who is this God, and find your voice. You've done a fantastic job of raising them, and and here's how I would put that to a specific place. If any one of my kids was broken down on the side of the road, you know, in the pouring rain, and I couldn't get to them. And I found out, well, Jake Armstrong drove by and he's with them. 
complete peace. I'd just be like, oh, okay, Jake Armstrong, because Jake's a trustworthy guy. If, if they said, you know, yeah, yeah, Brandon Armstrong was around, he showed up, we're good, or, or Miller Armstrong. These are young men who have earned trustworthiness. Wayne, even when you were down and out and incapacitated, your influence was still active even when you were completely incapacitated. Um, but I sure do appreciate you coming out tonight. Thanks, David. Great yeah. memory right here tonight. And Jake and Brandon and Miller, I sure do appreciate you guys coming out and, and, and speaking up. And I hope that this year and next year and the next decade will be fantastic, that you guys will soak up every moment that you're in, that you'll take in that gratitude, and that you'll speak up about it. And so, dads who are listening, this was a special podcast episode of Dad Matters. Um, I hope that you were able to glean something from it. I know that I was. And so until next time, dads, put down your phone and hug your kids. Anxiety plaguing my mom. They said it's possible he's dying. We trying to be strong, so we're the last of a dying breed. But I don't want to see my mom become a widow like my grandma. Dad keep fighting. We'll keep on holding mama up. She stroked your head with the hand. Said she loves you. Keep on fighting and that God has a plan. I saw you twitch and move your toes doing the best that you can. The ventilator breathing for you with the strengths on your hands. I could probably count the amount of times I cried on one hand. I've probably doubled that since Friday night. I'm crawling in sand. I'm balling, but man, I still believe that God has a plan. Even if sometimes soon he takes away the godliest man I've ever known He gave me all in his hands he had to give I'm not gonna try to tell you that my dad has to live That's what I want but more than that I want your will for your kids If you gon' job us pray you hold us as we journey through this I'm praying So that's Brandon Armstrong aka Content The Business of Resurrection and you can pick it up at iTunes or Spotify Check it out And dads I want you to know you won't have to wait long for the next episode It comes out in just two short weeks In that episode I'll be talking with guest dad Chris McKim Chris is a single dad raising two boys. He has overcome a lot from his past, including overcoming a cocaine addiction. And that addiction even affected him during the birth of his sons. This is how deep I am. I am trying to figure out a way to take cocaine with me on the plane to San Diego so that I don't miss it. That's how far gone I was. But all of that really brings me to a place that makes me question myself as a father. When both of my sons were born, I was high. There in the hospital, I was high. Guest dad Chris McKim. It comes out in just two short weeks. Mm-hmm.